Hi and welcome to the Racial Introductions podcast. From ancient Greece to branding, globalisation to Homer and logic to fashion, we'll showcase a concise and dynamic insight into a range of diverse topics for wherever your curiosity may lead you. So here is today's very short introduction. My name is Michael Wirt and I am an Associate Professor of East Asian and Japanese History at Marquette University. Several years ago, I was asked to write Samurai a very short introduction, and I agreed to do the project because it dovetailed with my interest in violence and ideology during what is called the Tokugawa period, also known as the Edo period, or early modern Japan, from the 17th through the 19th centuries. In particular, I wanted to know about the ways in which non-warriors either parodied or imitated celebrated or made fun of warriors, and how an idealized warrior was used by non-warriors in their political activities, for lack of a better word. This book is basically divided into two parts. It is, in part, a discussion of warriors from their origins to the end of the Warring States period, around the 16th century, in which warriors are a very ambiguous group of people. Sometimes they are mercenaries, some of them are part-time warriors, part-time farmers, and a very small group of them are elite warriors who are either born into warrior clans or might themselves be nobility who were raised just like their non-warrior noble counterparts in Kyoto. The second half of the book really gets into warriors as we might see them in popular culture, the 17th through 19th centuries. This is an interesting time period because the distinction between warriors and non-warriors is relatively strict. It's also a time period when researchers have a lot of documents to do research. For example, one can buy entire collections of documents from the 18th or 19th centuries on online auctions like Yahoo Auction which is the equivalent of eBay in Japan, for hundreds of dollars. I think this book will satisfy two audiences. The first audience is people who don't really know anything about the samurai at all. Maybe they are familiar with some common myths about the samurai, such as the notion that they were loyal unto death to their lords, or that perhaps there was some kind of Bushido warrior code that all warriors followed. These are the depictions that we often see in older popular culture related to the samurai, such as in the old television series Shogun. But then there's another audience, an audience that is somewhat familiar with accurate information about the samurai, because more recent popular culture over the last 10 or 20 years sometimes tends to portray samurai history relatively accurately. In that popular culture, we don't see very honorable samurai, but samurai who are scoundrels, who are afraid to get into fights, or samurai who were less warriors and more like a bureaucrat. This book will satisfy the curiosity for both new people to the samurai and people who have already learned a little bit about samurai either in other books about the samurai or perhaps in a college course. There are a lot of books out there about samurai history, but they generally fall into one of two categories. On one hand, there are books about the samurai that are written by academics for academics. 
that require a lot of knowledge about samurai history or Japanese history before really understanding the argument of the book. And there are also books that tend to have a lot of jargon, both academic jargon and a lot of Japanese words. Then there are books that are written by writers, journalists, people who aren't specialists in Japanese history per se, and tend to overgeneralize or lack a kind of accurate portrayal of the historical context of Japanese history in which samurai were situated. While both types of books have their value, I think that reading Samurai of Very Short Introduction will allow you to gauge to what extent some of the more generalized books might be helpful or accurate for you and serve as a nice primer for getting into some of the more specialized texts on subjects that interest you. My professional interest in Samurai really lies with the Tokugawa period from 17th century to late 19th century because even though samurai only comprise no more than say 8% of the total population of Japan, the fact that they rule Japan means that they have to justify their rule to themselves, to elite nobility, and to commoners. And people also have to interact with that. Sometimes they celebrate or imitate samurai. Sometimes they are parodying or making fun or criticizing samurai and the fact that they control Japan. So even though they're a small part of the population, the fact is that they loom large in the thought and philosophy in the culture and religion in Japan during the Tokugawa period. Some things that people should know about a samurai, first of all, is that there is no single term for samurai. There are many different terms to designate the many different roles that warriors in general have played in Japan from, say, the 8th or 9th century until the 19th century. And the corollary to that is, of course, that the samurai were never doing any one thing. Right, Warriors might have been people who specialized in warfare some of the time, but the rest of the time they're doing something else. Right, So they're not always dressed in armor, carrying swords and bows and arrows like we would see in a movie or in other forms of popular culture. The other thing to know about samurai is that for much of Japanese history, samurai were not looked upon very highly. You know, in popular culture today, we might think that samurai are very cool, but oftentimes, the further back you go in history, the worse the reputation of samurai are. I mean, at one point in the Middle Ages, samurai are called, you know, beasts because they're so violent, at least according to Buddhist clergy, for example. And in the 19th century, after the last samurai regime falls apart, samurai and their history, their culture, uh, samurai armor, all that kind of stuff, is seen as an anachronism. It's not something that people are proud of until late into the 19th century, into the early 20th century in Japan. Some other things to know about samurai is that they are not so connected to the samurai sword as people think. You know, this is probably one of the biggest myths, that the sword is the soul of the samurai. And this really isn't exactly true. For much of Japanese history, warriors conducted warfare with other weapons, especially the bow and the arrow, and the sword is essentially a sidearm. You know, you wouldn't go out into battle 
using your sidearm as your primary weapon in combat. And so too did samurai not really use the sword if they had other options available, especially weapons that could be used at a distance. But the sword does become important probably in the 17th century or so as a marker of status, you know, or as a marker of someone who is working on behalf of the warrior regime during the Tokugawa period. In that sense, as a marker of status, swords were important. But by that time in Japanese history, warriors are not engaging in combat for the most part, nor are they really expecting to engage in combat anytime soon. I would say the other thing to understand about samurai is that much of what we think about samurai, for example, the idea of the Bushido code or that they are loyal unto death, is actually a function of militaristic propaganda and nationalistic propaganda from, say, the very late 19th century all the way up until the end of World War II. Even after World War II, samurai are used as a kind of model for how a Japanese saradiman, that is to say a salaryman, a businessman, should behave, that a businessman should be loyal to his company until his working death, if you will, until he's no longer working. So the samurai image, a kind of samurai mythology, has been employed by the Japanese government in the modern era and, and also by companies and pundits in the modern era and that vision of samurai that we see and how samurai actually existed uh, are sometimes uh, different. Thank you for listening to the Very Short Instructions podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher to receive new episodes directly to your podcast feed. All of our episodes, new and old, can also be found on SoundCloud and YouTube at OUP Academic.